Did you ever run into a situation where they're like, wait, why is she asking this kind of stuff? It's institutional racism. Well, then why are you still the mayor? As this whole anti-police sentiment, I think it is such a turnoff for so many people. Going against exactly what we want to do as a society and find the truth. Welcome to Three Cops Talk. On this podcast, three active duty police officers discuss behind the scenes stories and real life accounts of what it's like to be a cop. Every episode, you'll get an inside look at the challenges and dangers they face on a daily basis, as well as the triumphs and inspirational moments that make it all worth it. If you want to understand more about the men and women who put their lives on the line for us every day, then this is the show for you. And now your hosts, Chris, Scott, and Sean. In part two of this episode with our guest, Liz Collin, we learn how certain outright media fabrications and omissions of the truth during the George Floyd incident now may be helping to improperly shape the future of race relations, public policy, policing, and the media in the United States. If you have any ideas or topics for the show, please reach out to us at threecopstalk at gmail.com. That's the number threecopstalk at gmail.com. If you'd like to reach us through social media, our details are in the show notes. The views and opinions expressed in this episode belong solely to the hosts and do not represent the views of any professional organization. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, folks, thanks for coming back for uh, part two of this gripping yarn with our guest, Liz Collin. And Liz, we'd like to kind of pick up where we left off with, with some of the parallels to our world. It's always great to do a comparison between my world and then other worlds that maybe are impacting it. And one of them is largely media. And one of the buzzwords that we have now is the development of police officers, our basic training and how we're trained throughout. And some of the things that need to be redefined by parties that either know what they're doing or don't know what they're doing. I don't profess to know what I'm doing and how to train a, a journalist, but I do honestly think that some of this could be applied to your world and how we're developing journalists. And it now seems, at least from the police perspective, that there are some that are just being conditioned by the media to hate us. I'm told that this is stuff that they're being taught in journalism school. Like, is it that part of the institution, like fearing the unknown here? Or is that, you know, I mean, or is that not true? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I will say that when I went to, to journalism school, I'm not 50, Sean. But uh, <laughs> you don't look at it. All. You don't look at it all. was a long time ago, though. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, but it was always there was always uh, a commitment to at least representing both sides. There's always at least two sides. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, actually, in fact, a lot more uh, sides to, to both sure. stories. Um, but that's your job uh, is to to be fair, to, to to be balanced and such. But I really feel like journalism has turned into activism. Um, and especially, oh, yeah. especially over um, this case. I mean, just just another example um, with, with this story itself. I mean, I worked with reporters that were using the hashtag Black Lives Matter uh, during their reporting um, of of this story. Do you think any mainstream media here in Minnesota, you know, has followed up on, on Black Lives Matter? I, I was featured in the yeah. Candace Owens uh, documentary along with my husband to just kind of talk about the sham that that organization uh, was. You know, raising uh, eighty million dollars basically. Um, with George Floyd's image, and none of the money ha- has gone at all to help, um, you know, the black community. But no, no news station picked up anything about, you know, the findings of of that documentary uh, because, again, it, it went against um, it went against the the narrative they were pushing from the beginning. See, but I I, I guess I, I don't. I mean, I just really 
I watch like 15 minutes of news every day just to figure it out. You know, you and then I watch, I, I know. And, 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 and now it's getting more and more 10, 10 of that is business news. Like where's the market going, that kind of stuff, because I just don't know where, and, and again, I'm, I'm over 50. Um, but I just don't know where this all took a turn where you can't say the truth, nor can you admit the truth? Like if I do something, if I get an argument with, with my, with my wife or my kids or my, my, my parents or whatever, and I did something wrong, guess what? This is what I did. And I apologize. Or no, no, this is on you. So I don't know where this whole world has taken a turn where we just can't manage the truth, accept the truth and take the consequences that are coming to us either way. It just, there's so many smoke and mirrors. It just makes it worse. I think. Well, I think, uh, you know, what happened, especially with the media, big tech uh, moved in. I mean, big tech wasn't a part of my journalism career in the beginning. Uh, we didn't have Facebook or, or Twitter, mm -hmm. or, uh, YouTube, right. you know, it was kind of all, everything was in the infancy stages. Uh, but people need to, to wake up and, and, you know, realize that there is a greater power here trying to control uh, the message. But that should be the media's job is, you know, follow the money, go after the power. Um, and ask ask the hard questions. And that's really why I got out of mainstream media, because, uh, you know, I was reporting even through COVID and people would, you know, the, email us the same way they always would with, you know, I had this reaction reaction to the vaccine or, you know, th this happened to me or I got bad treatment at a hospital. Um, you know, I felt that my loved one, you know, was going in there to die. And I thought that these stories were really things that we should be looking into. Um, but we didn't. Um, there was definitely a, an effort to, to silence, um, you know, that part of the population. I actually think the future of the media is in um, alternative uh, journalism. I'm with an outfit, just Alpha News. You can easily be online um, and, and report the truth. People are willing to, you know, to share their stories and, and the media co covers just a tiny fraction. And it's not even so much what they're telling you. I just feel like it's what they're not telling you. And they're not telling you that right. for, for a reason. And also, you know, big pharma controls a lot of it too. That's a lot of the ad revenue when it comes to the mainstream media uh, yeah. networks. And that all ties into to all of this as well. And then with that, with, with, with you making that statement in regards to, you know, um, alternative, I mean, I, I think it's more of like alpha news. It's not going to be your, your news through, you know, uh, through Twitter or through Facebook or whatever. I think it's going to be where you could put it on a, um, where you could put it out on a platform that really nobody controls. Yeah, I think that you have to be independent and you, nobody controls you. And that's uh, that's going to be the way we, we get the truth um, out there. How have things been with the people that you worked with, like those other journalists? Did you have you had people come out and support you? Have you had people that maybe support you, but are afraid to openly say they support you or, you know, some kind of combination of of that? Yeah, I think that um, early on, um, there there was a lot of support, but you could tell that they would support me privately, uh, mm -hmm. but not but not publicly, uh, because they were worried about, you know, what what that means. You find out, as you guys know, quickly who who your friends are. Right. 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 Uh, <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's certainly complicated some some relationships, but there are many people um, you know, I was in a, in a good place that I could um, jump ship, but, you know, people got to worry about their, their health insurance and, and the yeah, future you right, know, for their kids right. and such. And I think that I think it's kind of relatable to every, you know, job in, in uh, the corporate worlds, you know, that, that we live in. A lot of people just have to, to shut up and tow the company line. And it further illustrates the point of the fact is that they say we live in this code of silence amongst the blue. Like right. the, the blue, the, the thin blue line is just a racist 
you know, we cover up for each other all the time and things like that. Look, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen in law enforcement, but to Liz's point, illustrated is like, okay, every profession you could point to, there's people that are knowing something's going wrong and not standing up and saying what's right about it, what should be done about it, because there's a lot of things to fear. Like people question all the time, like you go back to history, like I always do in the show and it bores the crap out of my co-hosts. But the bottom line is, is that, no. the, come on now, uh, but <laughs> people talked about what happened in Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany. What happened in Nazi Germany? How many people could just have not stood up and said anything? Well, when you live in that kind of fear of having everything taken away from you and you're not participating in the process, you still stand there in silence and say, I'm not going to say anything because I could lose a lot. Don't think that the media, uh, this enlightened group of people that are any different than any other group of human beings. And don't think that our leaders now are people that aren't taking advantage of that. Like, you know what you can lose by running your mouth about this. You know what you can, and, and, and Liz is a shining example of that. Right. So don't question cops while we stand there and go, hey, I got this good gig. I got this good job. I like my coworkers and things like that. I saw something that happened and I'm being told whether it's right or wrong to keep my mouth shut, stay out of because I'll lose my job if I speak to the media about it or I say some things. Hey, it's tra- it's transcendent in America. Yep. I did buy your book, by the way. I think <laughs> you're welcome. As I, as I kind of was kind of going through it real quick before, I think a, this has gone and has gone against exactly what we want to do as a society and find the truth. When I was going through the book about the stuff that they withheld, and to me, again, whether whether the police were wrong and did and, and, and did something that they should be punished for, or George Floyd did something that was wrong and should be punished for. Whatever it is, as I was going through it, the, the, the amount of stuff that's withheld, to me, is just, is just my own personal opinion for everybody out there. To me, this goes against every oath that every officer took to make sure that we do what's right and, what, and, 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 to, and to keep the peace. When I was reading that and I was looking through it and the amount of stuff that they withhold to, to – to go against what could show what the truth is just for a political gain. It goes against everything. So then why am I putting my hand up and, and swearing to stuff when, when I, when you're, you're not going to do it. Like I, when I go to, and, and, and trust me, I, I, I ran into, you know, fire extinguishers or whatever. And got, I, I go up to, I go up to the man and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I did it. But when you're going to this level and, and you can't even present the truth that makes it that, that, that either says, Hey, what they did was correct or what they did was wrong. You're shuffling all these pieces. Then, then, then stop taking oaths because you're not going to, you're, you're not going to stand behind your oath anyway. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because there's a, a part in the book also about uh, the, the medical examiner and, and his role in this case that I think is quite interesting. So the, the autopsy um, on George Floyd is conducted within 12 hours um, of his death. And there's a reason that it's withheld uh, for a week. So we have the handwritten notes that are public documents that the media didn't seem to care about um, that that basically kind of show him backtracking on his original um, cause of death. You know, 11 nanograms of fentanyl um, in, are found in his system and, you know, overdoses deaths are as low as, uh, you know, two, three nanograms. And it's interesting, even in the newsroom where I worked and all across the country, how the fentanyl part of this story uh, was buried. It's even on the cover about, uh, this is a USA Today headline, George Floyd had fentanyl in his system, but not enough uh, to kill him. You know, that's from a, a large newspaper um, in, in the U.S. And you see that um, you see that with these handwritten uh, notes back and forth uh, with prosecutors and the medical examiner that there's pressure to, uh, to change his story and his original findings. 
Wow. What kind of, what kind of effect did this have on, you know, with your husband's job, obviously? I mean, I know what kind of effect it had on him, like as, as a cop and everything, but like, was he, you said, you know, there was people protesting outside your house and doing that, all that kind of stuff. Did, did he have to kind of keep neutral about what was going on with it? I mean, obviously he knew what you were going through. That probably made it harder for him. How, how did, how did he deal with that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in, in the beginning, he he thought he just knew something more was at work here. I mean, he'd been a part of the union for 25 years at this point, and he'd never seen information, you know, withheld. Still to this day, the chief of police in Minneapolis, um, who was the chief at the time, never even talked to the officers involved at really? all. Um, and still and never had, he never even watched the body camera footage. Um, and, and still to this day, we don't think, um, has, so there was, um, and he's the one who called in the FBI within hours, um, of this incident, um, without reviewing anything or talking to, to anyone. Uh, so I, I think that he was worried about, he, he was, you know how you guys are, you can retire kind of early. So he was getting close <laughs> to that age yeah. anyway. Um, but, uh, for, and for good reason, you guys deserve retirement. Good God. Um, but I think that there was, you know, pressure with what was happening in our neighborhood and, you know, that he was a little bit more quiet on this than than past incidents, um, which which was also interesting, you know, and his last name starts with a K. So therefore, he's a member of the KKK. I mean, that's obviously logical. So he Jeez, was KKK sure and spray painted all over the place. And, you yeah, know, just completely, completely disgusting. Um, and, you know, then we saw all these lies being told about him and his background. But he ended up he ended up retiring um, six months you know, before he had planned to, um, mm-hmm. just because the city was offering some, some buyouts at that, at that time. But the, uh, you know, he came on the department and there's 890 police officers at the time, and there's mm-hmm. barely 500 now. Um, wow. and it's just been, you know, every day we hear about another, you know, friend or somebody we know who who's leaving and, and for good reasons that this incident, you know, fully proved, um, that, that the department, that city leaders didn't have, didn't have your back, um, at all. And we've seen this again and again, and that, and the book is partly about Minneapolis, uh, history a bit and the relationship, uh, between the police department and the mayors, right. Uh, who's, right. who are supposed to be the bosses, um, of these, de- of these departments. So still to this day, it makes no sense to me as a PR person kind of to, you know, throw your people under the bus constantly. But I guess that's the move that uh, many of these progressive mayors seem to want to make. Well, if you don't really, if you don't really care about the society you're protecting, you care more about the power and being in power. You don't care. Like you aren't like I said this on other shows, there's no mystery in the United States that urban centers where a lot of these things really took root were controlled by a single party. It's, mm-hmm. I'm not making it up. And then to go and say, I'm going to throw my very government that's been controlled by Democrats for decades under the bus. And no one took a step back and said, hey, wait a minute, you got something to do with this as well. If it's right. this bad and if it's this awful, you've been tolerating it. Well, I can't look into those policing matters, but you're the you're the guy at the top or the gal at the top. How can you lay this? It's It's institutional racism. Well, then why are you still the mayor? <laughs> right. You tolerated it. You right. saw this happening. But but it's not a it, yeah, because it's not a matter of that we're right or wrong. It's what the truth is. And and it when you go through Liz's book, just the amount of stuff that was withheld, the the coroner's report, the amount of fentanyl that was in the system, the reason we were even there is because he was passing fake twenty dollar bills. So I mean, all this stuff that's being withheld, and again, it's just letting people take the truth and and, and again. It doesn't matter 
right or wrong in the end who it was. It's a matter of right and wrong what it was. And all the stuff that was being withheld for people that don't know our our world for people in the civilian world to take that information and make their own decision. That is what the news and we are supposed to do. We are supposed to investigate the crime. We are supposed to put, you know, put pen the to facts paper, together, yeah. put the facts together. Then the, the media sets it out there. And but all the stuff that was withheld would change people's mind. Like I said, the, you know, the amount of fentanyl, why we were there, uh, what else was withheld, Liz? I, I mentioned stuff. Uh, also, report. I think a, a good point is the fact that the, the police administration came out right away and they said, George Floyd, we've never heard of him before. We've never had any interaction right. with him before. Huge lie. A year earlier, right. he's the he's the subject uh, of an undercover drug investigation where he's selling thousands of counterfeit pills. Um, and we talked to the officer who was the, the head of um, uh, of all of that. And they knew him well. I mean, he, he'd he been around um, for, for a few years and, you know, in and out of uh, police custody, if you will. And that was that was a, a lie that they they knew better and they and they went ahead and the media went and went ahead and didn't check that out either and 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 peddled that. Um, as well. And I, I will say that I've been really encouraged um, since putting the book out. Frankly, I thought I would sell like three to my mom. Um, <laughs> well, you like, sold three here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm up to six. That's there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I, I, you know, the uh, Amazon reviews are amazing. People, I think, knew that there was a lot more going on um, here. So if you go on Amazon, if you look under, you know, they're lying, the media, the left, and the death of George Floyd. Um, I've really been encouraged that people still do care about uh, the, the, the facts. Um, you know, I use more than 200 sources uh, for for the book. And also the website um, is called theliexposed.com. I kind of, you know, this this story will, I think, be in the news um, here and there, Um you know, because again, it changed. It changed so much for so many many people. But I try to keep uh, folks updated on on different things that um, I'm doing involving the book and such. There. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I really did take a take a risk and jump ship over at, at Alpha News. But we had, you know, three million more unique users this year just on that website uh, alone. And that, again, I think that that's where the future of media is. I could see um, the, you know, kind of the, the downturn um, just on our ratings uh, in, in the mm-hmm. local news. My, my thought is the local news sort of turned into the weather. Um, well, we do a lot of weather in, in Minnesota and you know, we right. don't need to know that people are buying shovels every snowstorm because it snows twice a week. So I, I mean, really nobody cares. Like nobody cares. That's right. I really think that amazing. People, people want, yeah, people want information, um, that that's never going to change. And you can do it in a way now where you don't need, you know, a technical staff of 50 people or, um, you know, a 150 person, uh, newsroom. It's just actually a few of us over at Alpha News. And, you know, our, our ratings are right up there, you know, just with online traffic. Actually, we beat out, you know, the major newspaper in Minnesota almost daily. Um, so oh. it's 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 encouraging. And it's it's all the other media seems to be so left uh, here. And I think that's, you know, kind of the way across the country uh, as well. But, you know, and, and the news has turned into they hire so many young people now before um, 
even where I worked, you'd have to, you know, at least be a reporter for five or 10 years. Well, now we have kids coming at, right out of college, really, um, to, to be reporters in the 15th largest market. And I, I will say that people are just more liberal after graduating from college. That's the way it works. Oh, yeah. you gotta live life, I feel like, a little bit more. Um, and yeah, and this whole, as far as this whole anti-police sentiment, I think it is such a turnoff for so um, many people um, that I think that they haven't done themselves um, any good as far as, you know, l- looking looking ahead uh, to the future. So, yeah, but that's why I think, pe- you know, Alpha News and, and, and reporters like you, Liz, and, and, and just to pat her on back for us getting on this show and, and, and pushing the truth. And and again, you go back episodes and stuff. We're not always right. We're not always perfect. Um, but it, the truth is the truth. And I think what, what I'm seeing is with like Alpha News and 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 like our podcast and and more stuff that comes out about the truth. I think you're slowly seeing a turn of people wanting to get the actual truth and making their own decisions. And you see it. I mean, you'll still have the you know uh, the politicians beating their chest about all this other stuff. But I think underlying, I think people are starting to get more and more like, okay, let, you know, this thing's been beat to death. Let's let's like why are they doing this? And I think they're really seeking the truth. And I think to me, I think that's going to be more and more become the main the the the, the, the mainstream media. To, to, that's what I'm saying. Yep. No, I agree. One last thing I wanted to ask you about the book, Liz. It sounds like it's doing great. That's awesome. Was it hard to did when you were out there putting that together and researching all this information? Did you ever run into a situation where? They're like, wait, why is she asking this kind of stuff? And you start running into some roadblocks where now maybe people, they're like, oh, she's asking these questions that we don't like, or she's looking for things that might be different from what we're hearing out there. Did you did you run into any issues when you were doing your research and trying to gather your info for your book? Well, I, I think it's uh, funny and a good question, Scott, because in the end, um, I, the last part of the book, uh, we called the right side of history, question mark. So in the beginning, you know, these uh, politicians, everybody's talking about we're going to be on the right side of history. We're going to be on the right side of history uh, with all of this. And I wanted to go back to all of the people making that that pledge, you know, the city council members who wanted to defund the police and essentially mm-hmm. did. Um, and you know, the, the mayor and such and golly weird. Nobody wanted to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so much for that. Strange, yeah. Strange, but you know, right. yeah. So we kind of hit the, the reader over the head with the statistics. I mean, carjackings never even used to be reported in Minneapolis because they're, there never, there was never a carjacking. Um, if there was, it was, you know, two, three a year, maybe if that, well, you know, we had another year where there was more than 400, there were 600, um, in the year uh, 2021. I mean, things that were just really unimaginable that, that changed overnight, uh, due to, um, lying. So, and I, I will say too, the families of the officers, Mm -hmm. Um, they've been amazing and they're just like, you know, thank you for, for giving uh, us a voice that police, I mean, and the thing about it it is too, this story is really about a lot of cops. Um, their lives uh, were forever changed. This is a city they, they cared uh, about deeply, you know, the businesses they cared about deeply, the people they cared about deeply, um, you know, that they selflessly protected for so long and they had to walk away from a job that they loved, um, you know, because these politicians helped to turn the public against them. Right. And all right. I got one last question about the book, as we know, or if you don't know, uh, last week, I think there's an article out. um, He uh, Chauvin went for an appeal, right? Last week, it's supposed to last 15 minutes and it was lasted how long? 
Yeah, he uh, they, they've been submitting briefs um, to the Court of Appeals in Minnesota uh, for a couple months, but it was just the um, oral arguments on that uh, that appeals case where each side gets about 15 minutes um, to talk. And we heard some some back and forth and such. But um, I, I talked to um, Derek Chauvin's attorney. Actually, there's a, a story up on alphanews.org. Um, and I talked to his mom as well. But um, his attorney, kind of the whole strategy here is to get a, a change of venue. Um, they think they could possibly um, turn it, um, turn the, the case over and get a new um, trial uh, based on that uh, as part of the mm. appeal plan. You, you know, you had the National Guard in, you had all um, of the floors of Hennepin County Courthouse were taken up uh, by the prosecution for this case. Uh, Keith Ellison, who's the attorney general of Minnesota, who has a long history of hating the police. That's no secret. Oh, yeah. Um, right. He brought in um, all of these uh, attorneys, many of them who worked pro bono. They couldn't wait um, to be a part of this uh, historic case. But, um, you know, you had pro- protesters outside, the angry mob. But anyway, this is where they decided to go ahead and hold this trial. Um, so his attorney's arguments, I think, are pretty interesting. They're all on online. And it'll be um, 90 days before the court um, goes ahead and, and um, issues their decision. So the question with that is, do you think your, by you putting this book out, has created a lot of those questions and, and, or is going to, you know, create that. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's going to push our case to get the change of venue. <laughs> yeah. I, um, right. I, I'm hopeful, but it's really a long, it's a long road. Um, you know, there's, there's many people who have dug in their heels at, at this point. And even with my book, I mean, interestingly enough, no mainstream media has you know wanted to interview me, a member of the press for, for 20 years. Wow. Um, Shocking. So, yeah, Shocking. Not surprising, but wow. It's, uh, it's really surprising. So, um, you know, I think there is kind of a more of an underground network. Now, we have seen a few high profile people come out there and, you know, say that there's definitely more to this uh, case than we than we were told. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a, a, a long uh, journey ahead. And, you know, you have these other cops who are in prison um, also <laughs> for several years now because they felt they had no choice but to, to plead guilty. Otherwise, they were going to be uh, you know, put behind bars a lot longer. Yeah, let's just be honest with each other. The vast majority of politicians respond to pressure. And although people maybe that disagree with what happened in the fairness process here, don't go out and loot, riot and burn down cities. They just don't. Right. I mean, if there was that pressure going on right now, and I'm not I'm not a proponent of that. I don't want anybody to think that I'm asking for people to storm the Capitol or anything like that. What I'm saying is people respond to pressure. And we're not putting that pressure out there. It's just not there. It's just they don't, you know, they, it's not about I'm staying in power because these people are upset with me. They, they don't even care what we think because we don't right. let them know. It's true. No, I, I, that, that, that's 100 uh, percent. I agree with that. But I thank you guys so much. We're going to put a link up on our website for the book. Go, go to our website and you could click on the link and go right to Amazon. Is it being sold anywhere else? It is on um, Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Barnes & Noble won't let me into their stores quite yet, but I'm fighting that battle now. The, censor- the censorship continues. <laughs> so everybody, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for your courage um, and, and putting this, you know, the, the truth out there, because as we all know, the, the, the truth is not easy to come by no matter what side of it uh, you're on, but sometimes it just hurts, but you have to get the truth and the right answer. So thank you so much for the courage. Uh, please, anybody support Liz by going to buy her book. Um, I've gone through some of it and it's super interesting and it's, I've learned a lot. Also help us get the word out, the truth out by going to where you get your podcast, uh, subscribe, listen, um, leave a rating review, automatically download it 
for us, please, so we can get the truth out. And if you have any questions or concerns or um, want to appear on the show or suggestions for the show, please go to 3copstalk.com. That's another 3copstalk.com. Or email us at 3copstalk.com. Thank you all so much, and please, everybody be safe.